ஷேத்தான் that can have anything better than we have or anything close to what we have been blessed with the mubarak way of life that nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam demonstrated that he lived that he thought and that the sahaba ikram thereafter brought into their lives and they displayed it and they demonstrated it and preserved it and it has passed down the generations and that same pure life of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam has been passed down to us as well this mubarak way of life of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam it encompasses every single thing that a human being needs that a human being needs to know and that he needs to do for his life in dunya also to be a place of peace of happiness of success and obviously the eternal success of the hereafter in this detailed way of life that nabi sallallahu has taught in this is also the prescriptions for how to bring the special mercies of allah taala this dunya is what is known as darul asbab darul asbab a place of means and the way a person lives in dunya and people in general live this becomes the means of the conditions that prevail upon them if the condition if the way that people live is positive is in accordance to the commands of allah taala in accordance to this mubarak way of life that nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam has left for us then this brings down positive conditions it brings down those kind of conditions that we are aspiring that we wish for that we hope for and allah forbid if the general population engages in that kind of amal and actions that bring down negative consequences then that is what everybody will face because negative actions bring down negative consequences so this mubarak way of life that allah taala has given us via rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam this is that way that brings down rahmat that brings down mercy that brings down blessings the way against this is what brings down azab what brings down difficulties in the ahadith of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam even in the quran sharif and in the ahadith this is something that has been opened out has been explained in detail for example on the positive side what brings down the barakat and blessings of allah taala so in one hadith for example nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam says that man ahabba ay yubsata lahu fi rizqihi وَيُنْسَأَ لَهُ فِي أَثَرِهِ فَلْيَصِلْ رَحِمًا 
The person who wants barakat in his life and wealth, this is the crux of the Sadi Sharif. That the person who wants barakat in his life and wealth, then the prescription for that is that he should maintain family ties. Maintaining family ties, this is a means and the effect of it is barakat in life and barakat in one's sustenance as well. Now every single person walking on this earth wants sustenance, wants barakat in that sustenance and this is the prescription Nabi Salaam is giving. So what we learn from this is that this very positive and good action of maintaining family ties, an extremely important aspect in deen, this has this positive effect. This has this good result that it brings down the rahmat of Allah Ta'ala, brings down good conditions. Likewise, in the ahadith, there are many, many aspects that are mentioned that a person undertakes those actions, then it brings various positive conditions. Time is limited, so it's not possible to go into many of those, but we just took one example of maintaining family ties. For that matter, a person performing his five daily salah, Allah Ta'ala makes his daily rizq easy for him. A person who gives his zakat diligently, this becomes the means of purifying his wealth and a security for him. And a person who undertakes the various other ibadat, this becomes a means of rahmat for him. person enters the house and decides bismillah and closes the door, this becomes a means of this house becoming protected from the shayateen. A person decides ayatul kursi at night before sleeping, then Allah Ta'ala appoints an angel to look after him till the morning. So all these are positive things that bring down positive effect. There is the opposite as well, that negative aspects bring down negative consequences. For example, in one hadith, Nabi Wasallam says that a person becomes deprived of rizq as a result of the sin that he has committed. A person gets involved in some guna, in some sin, and in one hadith it comes that the rizq was descending for him. But because of the actions that he got engaged in, the evil and wrong that he started involving himself in, that rizq which was descending is uplifted, is taken away. And he gets deprived of it. Sometimes that outward form of rizq seems to come, but it is filled with a kind of difficulty in it. Because of the sin that a person has done, the barakat is taken away, and that brings down some calamity thereafter. Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. So these are situations and conditions that have been explained in the hadith. Once Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam addressed the Sahaba Ikram, and he said to them that five things, khamsun, idhab tulitum bihin, when five things you become involved in, and then Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is actually seeking Allah Ta'ala's protection, wa'udhu billahi antudrikuhun, I seek Allah Ta'ala's protection that this ever, you ever face these situations. Then Nabi Islam mentioned in detail, we don't have the time to go into all those details, but for example, he mentioned that when they will be cheating in weight and measure, then the effect of that, there will be famine. There will be an inflation of prices. We, these are all common things, we know what we are facing. Then in one hadith, in the same hadith, Nabi Islam says, when zakat will be withheld, then the rains will be withheld. When people won't discharge their zakat correctly, then the rains will be withheld. And in the Nabi Islam says that had it not been for the animals, then one drop of water also would not have descended from the heavens. So, cheating in weight and measure, withholding zakat. Likewise, in the same hadith, Nabi Islam says that 
when zina will become rife, then there will be all kinds of difficulties and calamities. In one hadith, the words are that إِذَا ظَهَرَ الزِّنَا وَالْرِبَا فِي قَوْمٍ فَقَدْ أَحَلُّوا بِأَنفُسِهِمْ عَذَابَ اللَّهِ When interest and zina becomes rife in a community, then they have already brought down the azab of Allah Ta'ala upon them. It's not like something that will be later. It's already come. They've already brought it down. Now these are all situations. The positive situations bring down positive conditions. The negative situations bring down negative, negative conditions. So sin in general is what brings down the negative conditions. But there are certain things which are worse than sin also. That might sound very strange. What can be worse than sin? Sin has such terrible results and effects. So what can be worse than sin? Worse than sin is open sin, blatant sinning. This in the ahadith has been given even more emphasis and more severe warnings. The emphasis of refraining from this and the warnings for falling in this, that this is worse than sin in itself. In one hadith, Nabi Islam says that Kullu ummati mu'afan illa al-mujahireen That everyone in my ummah will be forgiven except the mujahireen. Mujahireen, what does this mean? The sahaba themselves asked, that what is this? Mujahireen comes from the word jahar, which means something that's open. But now, they didn't really fathom what is being referred to. So Nabi Islam then explained and said that the one of the forms of mujahara, of being blatant, is that a person has made a mistake, committed some wrong, but he did it in the secrecy of the night, for example, in the darkness of the night, he went somewhere where nobody could see him, whatever the case is, and he did some wrong, whatever it was, but then the next day or thereafter, he himself starts bragging about it, or he starts discussing it openly. Allah Ta'ala out of His grace and mercy had covered the person's fault. But he wakes up the next morning that he tears open the curtain. فَيَكْشِفُ sitra Allah. He tears open the curtain and the veil that Allah Ta'ala had placed upon him. Now this Nabi Islam says such a person won't be forgiven. That he is in a way defying Allah Ta'ala. He is challenging Allah Ta'ala. That what does it matter? I did what I did and why should I be bothered about it? This is worse than guna itself. Now, the thing to now reflect is that in any way is this something that we are confronted with? Is this in any way pertaining to us in any aspect or to our family, to our community? Can there be such a thing? Unfortunately, we will find that there are many things. One such way in which this mujahara happens nowadays very commonly is via the social media. People do various things which are totally wrong and then they have the evidence of their wrong preserved for everybody to see and they make an open display of it via social media. This is where I went, somebody is in some haram place, somebody is doing some haram and somebody had whatever haram thing that they had been involved in, now they're giving a full description of the whole story and tearing open this veil that Allah Ta'ala had cast over them. This is this mujahara 
and this blatant sinning that we are being warned about in this hadith of Nabi Wasallam. Now if sin can be so dangerous as we discussed earlier, that it becomes a means of famine, becomes a means of inflation, becomes a means of rains being withheld, and becomes a means of all kinds of calamities and azab. In one hadith, Nabi Wasallam says that 15 things when my ummah will get involved in, and there's a whole list of 15 things. Then he says that, then now you must wait. Wait for the azab of Allah wa ta'ala. Wait for severe winds that will really destroy. Wait for earthquakes. Recently there was a tremor in Durban and people were really shaken. Now these are all signs. These are signs that we have to take, um, take note of these things. These are things which we call wake-up calls. Unfortunately, one thing comes, we get shaken for a short while, and then everything goes back to normal like nothing happened. Sometime before, there were these xenophobic attacks, and everybody got in a state of panic to a point, and then after a while, Allah Ta'ala made it such that that difficulty went away to a point, so we forgot everything. And we forgot that this ever happened also. And that this was a sign for us, this was something for us to take a lesson, as a wake-up call, it went away. These small tremors come sometimes, we fail to realize and take note and take lesson that it was in Allah Ta'ala's Qudrat that that earthquake, that tremor could have been a massive earthquake and could have been measuring 8 and 10 on the Richter scale as well and it could have destroyed everything but Allah Ta'ala out of His grace just made it a very slight, just little tremor so that we will take a lesson from it and a wake up call. Now why is this what is, what, what is the background to all these things? The scientists will tell us how it happens. And the scientists are pains to tell us that that's if it stops, don't worry about why it ha- who makes it happen. How it happens, these gases and that earth crust and so on. But why did that happen? Who made that happen? That they will be at science is at pains to tell us how it happens and at pains to tell us that Na'uzubillah, Allah Ta'ala got nothing to do with it. Whereas that is the biggest deception and we are believers, we have iman with the fazl of Allah Ta'ala, we have the full yaqeen and conviction, all these things happen with the will of Allah Ta'ala. So this is one aspect of blatant sinning via the social media. And this is a thing that we have to start reflecting upon, all kinds of photographs pasted all over the place. Now person pasting her photograph somewhere, and many a times that is accessible to host of people, mahrams, non-mahrams. Now that is inviting others to commit zina of the eyes. Whoever else is going to look at that photograph of some woman who is not her mahram, then that person is going to be committing zina of the eyes. And the person who allowed herself to be seen in that manner, she is also becoming the recipient of the curse of Allah Ta'ala. In the hadith, Nabi Islam says, لَعَنَ اللَّهُ النَّازِرَ وَالْمَنْزُورَ إِلَيْهِ Allah Ta'ala's curse be upon the person who commits haram glances and the one who allowed herself to be seen in that manner. So now this is inviting the wrath of Allah Ta'ala. And then this is being preserved. Somebody now preserved that further. So the person passed away also and it's gone. And this as we get for righteous action, sadaqah jariya. Somebody built a masjid or contributed towards a masjid, some well, some other good deed that now the benefit of that is ongoing, they're getting sadaqah ajariya. And by means of pasting, pasting these photographs all over the place, this is like azab ajariya. This is gunah ajariya. Continuous sin carrying on. That whoever else now is going to be looking at this, they are sinning, 
the person who posted these things, they are getting the sin as well. So what a foolish thing this is. On the one hand, it is such a major thing that it's inviting Allah Ta'ala's wrath. And then we are making the means for our guna to continue. That we are gone sometimes from dunya and this will carry on Allah Ta'ala forbid. Then there's another dimension to this which time is one of the issues that we don't have much time now but just to digress a little bit on this that <clears throat> the social media and the things that have now taken us by storm one of the things that have recently been documented as an illness is what they've described as selfitis what is a selfitis all about about a year and a half, two years ago, there was a term coined for the first time, a term called selfie. The first time when we heard the word selfie, it was like something totally alien, or something to do with selfish. Then it came to know selfies, people taking their own photographs. And then they're pasting all, posting and pasting all over the place. Now, over time, the American Psychiatric Society, they have documented this as an illness. And they say that this Selfitis, I-T-I-S, the last four words, I-T-I-S. This is something that is, it occurs in many descriptions of illnesses. For example, tonsillitis. So tonsillitis means what? That the tonsils of a person get inflamed. So it's an inflammation of the tonsils. And then you get bronchitis. So bronchitis is the inflammation of the lungs. So now this I-T-I-S, these last four letters come in this word, it shows an inflammation. So now selfitis also got the ITIS. So this is also an inflammation. Inflammation of what? So say this is the inflammation inflammation of the ego. Person has an inflamed ego. Now they are all the time thinking that the whole world is interested in them. And therefore they had to keep telling the whole world what they did, where they went, and keep showing themselves to the whole world by posting pictures of themselves, selfies all over the place on Instagram and whatever other insta, instant haram media there is. So in all these things now, they have documented this as an illness. The people get caught up in this and now that ego takes over so much that a person thinks that the whole world is so interested in him or her. And now everybody needs to know, the whole extended family need to know where I went, what I did and what I look like. And the most Silly things also will carry on from there. But this is also all a means of that guna continuing. So this is one of the aspects. The other thing is that one is the worst form of these evils and crimes. But it is not restricted to that. Any kind of contact within, with a non-mahram. Whether it might be via social media. It might be just texting. All this is a level of zina. And in the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Islam says, "Is zahar zina wa riba fi qawmin faqad ahallu bi anfusihim Allah. When zina and interest become widespread, then they have brought upon themselves the azab of Allah Ta'ala. So, unfortunately, these are things that have become so common in society. And when things become common, then the severity of it goes out of the heart. People tend to take it as granted, for granted. Now, Non-Maharams are communicating with one another. There are huge social chat groups. Cousins upon dozens and dozens upon dozens of the cousins. And everybody is communicating male, female. But is this, are they Maharams of each other? Is this permissible? Nobody bats an eyelid. Because now everybody is doing it. 
So if everybody is doing it, then it should be fine. But what, where are we heading to? And these are among the things which are clear, sir. So, and now this is done on a public level. Now this is where that mujahara comes in. This is where the open sinning comes in. It's done on a public level. One is somebody did something wrong and he did it in private. That is wrong also. That is a terrible wrong. But worse than that is something being done on an open public platform. And everybody is taking it for granted. Nobody gives a second thought to it. And slowly even the haram of that comes out of the heart. Recently one youngster, the parent said, please talk to him. He's getting involved in so many things, whatever. So any case while talking to him, so one of the things that the parent had mentioned beforehand that he's communicating with some girl and so on and so forth. Please try and talk him out of this. So slowly we got first, to start off with, first time we talking, so it's difficult to get to the topic directly. So finally we came to it and he himself then said, well okay, I'm communicating with this girl. So to try and just make him understand it from a different angle. So this is some, the, the lesson of one Hadith Sharif. And I put it to him in that manner, that supposing we turn the tables around and if there was somebody trying to chat up with your sister, uh, would you have been happy about this? Now the answer that he gave was, well it just depends who it is. So in other words, the aspect is not a problem. If it is the right person, I don't mind. If somebody I like, if somebody I am comfortable with, then I don't mind it. Na'uzubillah. In other words, that I will be comfortable with the guna taking place and the sin taking place, as long as the person is somebody that I don't have any problem with. So in other words, from his heart, the haram of this action had gone already. The purpose of the question was to try and make him think that, no, I'll never accept this. But he's ready to accept it. He doesn't even feel that there's a problem with it anymore. Just the issue is that the person must be somebody he doesn't, have any issue with, he's somebody that he approves of, he endorses the person. If he endorses the person, he's got no problem with it. Now this is the mujahara, this is the open sinning, and this is something that is not confined to one or two people. This is something that's becoming widespread, becoming very common, very rife. And in youngsters, in adults, it's just people are communicating on social media. Why are you communicating? No, we just, we're discussing deen. Now they're discussing deen with who? Now they're discussing deen only now, they found deen to discuss with. Their own children they didn't discuss deen with. They're discussing deen with somebody else's spouse. So their own children they couldn't have time to discuss deen with. But somebody else's spouse they're discussing deen with. Now these are the things, the tricks of shaitan and the traps of shaitan to get a person involved in sin. And these sins as we mentioned bring the azab of Allah wa ta'ala. And especially this open sinning. So one is the open sinning on this level on the social media level and this chatting that takes place and all these kind of things these are things that we need to take note of and we need to encourage others that these are things that need to be totally removed from our lives young people, elderly, adults etc this has become a very common thing we need to become proactive in this in our own homes, with our children, with our extended families we need to encourage the right thing and we need to make people start understanding that this is the way we need to move forward out of all these issues. Then the second thing, among the common aspects of open sinning. Open sinning in terms of dressing. That the manner of dress and attire that has now become almost the norm. Especially female dressing. This is something which is also part of open sinning. In the Hadith Sharif as we explained, Nabi Salaam says, 
that when this zina becomes rife, then the azab of Allah Ta'ala has come. Now, dressing in a way that is revealing, this is something which is obviously totally forbidden, and it divides the wrath of Allah Ta'ala, and it is making an open display of one's sin. So this too invites this azab. There are times when these kind of questions come, emails are being sent by one, and there's not one person, on many occasions this kind of email came where some woman is asking the question. Woman is asking the question that is it fine to attend the family function because of the way that the women are dressed? I'm not sure whether it is permissible for me to attend. Now who is asking? A woman is asking. A woman is asking about whether it's okay for her to attend a certain family function because of the way the other women are going to be dressed there. Now can we imagine what level this has dropped to that even a woman is taking exception to it. And Alhamdulillah many have their conscience. And that is why they, this is prompting that question. Now this is the aspect that shaitan had made at his, as his plan and plot right from inception when he was rejected from Jannat. When he was rejected and he now made it his mission to derail the person going towards Allah Ta'ala. So one of the things was his mission was, Allah Ta'ala describes it in the Quran Sharif in detail, that he tried to bring about the Hazrat Hawa radiallahu anha enticed her in some way to get to this forbidden fruit and eat of it, made them forget about that command of Allah Ta'ala. So this was something they did in total mistake, but it was from the influence of shaitan that he made them forget about it. And when they forgot about it and ate it, Allah Ta'ala says this was a trap of shaitan, that as soon as this was eaten, يَنْزِعُ anhuma لِبَاسَهُمَا لِيُرِيَهُمَا سَوْآتِهِمَا The effect of this was that their lack of, their, their nudeness became apparent to them. Now this was shaitan's plot. Otherwise this was covered with the jannati covering. But as soon as they ate from this, this became the effect of it. But this was the plot of shaitan. And shaitan uses that plot all the time to create this kind of indecency in dressing because that becomes the stepping stone to so many other things. So, and this is also done in a public manner. Public venues are then attended in this way and public gatherings and then sometimes so many other things. So this is also part of that mujahara. It is sin and worse than sin. It is open sin. Then a third thing that is very important to take note of in terms of open sinning unfortunately the open sinning that takes place in weddings this is something which is going from bad to worse as the time goes and as people try to compete with one another so now how are they going to compete? Either you compete in a positive way. To compete in the positive way, then the positive nikah and wedding that has been described in the ahadith, where Nabi Islam says, inna The nikah wherein the greatest barakat lies, is that nikah wherein the least expense was incurred. So now if there's going to be a competition on the positive end, it will mean that if somebody spent 
a certain amount, the next person is going to compete to spend less. The third person will spend even less. So now it means it will compete towards simplicity. And somebody will have invited maybe 50 people, the next person will invite 20 people. Maybe the next person will invite even less. Now, nikah is a happy occasion, no doubt. It's not something that is, uh, that's, it's forbidden completely to have any kind of happiness or something that brings about happiness. The walima, provided is done within the framework of the sunnah and sharia, and this is something that Nabi Islam encouraged to spend a little on the walima as well. But in the wedding that has become the norm of the time, generally, then this is a competition in the opposite direction. Now in the opposite direction, that is going in the opposite direction of deen. So obviously the competition is going to be to make it worse. Because if it's going to be coming in the positive direction, it's going to get simpler. But it's going in the opposite direction, now there's nothing right to do more. Because you're going to go do it right, it's going to be reversing, so to say, from the direction the person wants to go. So each person is going to do something that will be so-called unique. But that unique thing is going to now find its place in something that is against the commands of Allah Ta'ala. That unique thing is going to be something that goes well against the line of Shariat and Deen. And this is where the open sinning takes place. There are so many things, the wastage and the extravagance that happens in weddings. People spend hundreds of thousands on cards. Allah knows one person brought some card and came, it's not hundreds of thousands, thousands of rands. Hundreds of thousands would be an exaggeration, but nevertheless thousands upon thousands. One person brought one card and came, and somebody's estimate was that this can't be under 50 rands. And how many people invited for the function? 1,000 people. So 1,000 people, even if he printed 5,000 cards, uh, 500 cards, that too would be 25,000 rands. Now 25,000 rands on the cards, there are many, many people, unfortunately, don't even have a piece of cardboard to sleep on. Then flowers, flower arrangements and flowers. One person told me that he was saying it in a kind of self-praise. So to say that he was expecting me to say, mashallah or something. That he's saying, you know, my wife, that, that flowers, I told her, you know what, we need to just make sure you don't overdo it. In 30,000 rand, she got it done. So now he was expecting me to say, mashallah, you know, excellent, well done. So now he was praising his wife actually, that you know, he cautioned her. So in 30,000 rand, she got the flowers done. Not more than that. Allah knows best what happens normally. Because he was so, so elated about it that he just finished off in 30,000. Now this is flowers, which will all be just thrown away afterwards. And there are people who don't have flour to bake their roti and bread. They are going to bed hungry. Once, went to buy some things at the local store. So there was one person, poor person, standing in the queue there to pay. And the person is buying one tomato, one onion, one perhaps what some, one small tin of something. You could see this person is now eking out the very few cents and rands and cents that he has to buy one potato and one tomato, whatever he worked for the day, is going to be probably spent for the meal of the night. And the family might have been waiting still, and now there's one tomato and one onion and whatever else, they're going to try and make a meal of it somehow. Nobody buys one tomato and onion if they could have afforded to buy more at one time. Tomorrow he probably, if he gets work, he'll work for it, and he'll come and buy another one tomato and one onion again. 
So now, person is living, and if he doesn't get work, the next day he might have to go hungry. There was once, some time ago, maybe 10-12 years ago, that uh, one person was hired at home, just he came asking for one job, so he said, okay, the garden needs some cleaning or something, so do it. And normally, at the end of the day, the person will be given his, whatever has been agreed on, and that will be the end of his work, he'll be paid for it. So around middle of the day, he asked for just five rands. Five rands, fine, gave it to him. So after a short while, I happened to come out, and I see him dipping just bread in water and having that. So he went round to the corner shop somewhere and bought a quarter loaf of bread for that five rand or half a loaf, whatever he might have bought. But he didn't ask for anything. So he was somebody who didn't want to even ask for anything to eat. It never crossed the mind that this person now might not have eaten. Maybe that later, normally when everybody would have had lunch, he would have been given something to eat. But this was about 11 o'clock or something. But he was probably hungry from the day before. And because of the hunger from the day before, now he could probably not manage anymore. He's dipping that bread, just plain bread in water. And he's having that. Having seen that, alhamdulillah, whatever was given to him. But the lesson that we need to learn out of this is that how many people don't have flour or don't have bread. We have thousands of rands for flowers. And then there are so many things that happen. Allah forbid, open sinning that takes place the intermingling that takes place and everything, everybody is normal with it. We just discuss what kind of dressing unfortunately people come up with. As one person described it, that they come dressed to kill. Kill what? Well, whatever he men kill, but it's totally killing the way of life of Rasulullah Totally killing haya. Totally killing what Allah has commanded us to live with. So the intermingling takes place and at the most there might be one parda corner. One parda corner somewhere, one side, for those people who don't want to be part of the intermingling. So now there's one parda corner created for them. So what is this, in other words, what is being expressed? That look, deen, deen, you stay in the corner. The rest of our function, please don't come interfere with us. So the sunnah of Nabi Wasallam, the commands of Allah Ta'ala, you stay in the corner, we'll make one place for you in the corner. So deen mustn't come anywhere else. Deen must stay in the corner and remain there. Now this is our treatment of deen. You stay in the corner, you don't come and interfere with us. And then there's music, and Allah forbid as the days go, now you hear which was unheard of before in our communities, that there's dancing taking place in weddings, and on top of that, that is then videoed, and then that videos are then demonstrated and shown to everybody, then they are uh, slide shows being shown and the whole ummah is being paraded in front of all those who are sitting there, men, women and the pictures of everybody's spouses and whatever else now these are open sins now that are taking place sin is bad enough, this is open sin happening on a public scale and everybody just seems to be comfortable with it we just go with the flow as they say well, we were invited, we can't break family ties. No, no, there's two separate things here. One is breaking family ties. We don't have to break family ties with anybody. But attending a haram function, that is not permissible. Attending a function where the commands of Allah Ta'ala are being trampled, that is not permissible. Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala on one occasion, 
he was invited to a walima. And as he approached the venue, he was just reaching and he heard something happening which was clearly not correct. It was impermissible. Whether it might have been music or it might have been something. Now this was, a lot of people had been coming into deen and many Bedouins and so on. After the time of Rasulullah So sometimes these kind of things, it might not have been something so serious also. The word of the hadith is lahu. There was some incorrect activity of what sort. So as soon as he perceived this, he took a U-turn and he started returning. So somebody saw him almost reach and now he's moving in the opposite direction. So they immediately came to him, perhaps it might be somebody from the host, that malaka rajata, what happened? Why are you returning? You're going away now, you came all the way to attend this walima and now you're taking a U-turn. So he replied and said, that I have heard Rasulullah saying, Man qawmin minhum. That the one who adds to the numbers of a people, there's a function taking place and there's a function of haram. And somebody adds to the numbers by being present, then they are counted as being part of those who were engaged in the wrong. So they may not have directly participated in any wrong action themselves. They may not have been dancing there. They may not have been parading themselves. But they added to the numbers of that function. Imagine somebody had a function laid out and had all these haram activities all uh, on the line up. But nobody turned up. No guest came. So what a wonderful function they would say they had. They'll be totally disappointed that nobody came. It all got, went to waste. So in other words, the people made the function successful. The people added to the glory of the event. So every person counts. And every person that was there becomes counted as those who were participating in the wrong. So man kastara sawada qawmin fahuwa minhum. He said, I heard the beast last one say this. Therefore, I will not be part of this. He returned. So one is to break family ties. Though we, nobody advocates breaking family ties. But the first tie to be conscious about is our relationship with Allah Ta'ala. First is our relationship with Allah Ta'ala, then our relationship with the servants of Allah Ta'ala. So if you are going to be going to keep the relationship with people to such an extent that we break our relationship with Allah Ta'ala, then what have we earned? What have we achieved? So we will contact, we will keep contact with the people that are concerned. We might go visit them beforehand. We will go visit them after that. But we will not be part of a haram function. Then there are so many things that are related to weddings which are also far away from deen. Before the wedding, there are all kinds of, Allah knows best, all kinds of showers. So, bridal showers. So, what's a bridal shower? They say, no, the bridal shower is that everybody is invited. They can bring a gift along. They must bring a, so now, what it is, it's a kind of sophisticated begging. Kind of sophisticated begging because you're invited to a bridal shower. It's known that a bridal shower means you come with a gift. So, would anybody dare come to such a function without a gift? They're going to be made a mockery of, look at this miserly person. So, in other words, the other way around, that you better make sure you come with a gift. Otherwise, the whole society is going to make you a talking point. So, this is sophisticated begging. There are those beggars who come and knock on the door. And there are those who do it in a sophisticated way. And on top of that, there will be a gifts registrar. So that you'll know what we want. And you can give us what we want. 
So now all this is a sophisticated kind of begging. Now this is also something totally against the spirit of deen, the spirit of shariat. Then in these kind of functions, unfortunately, sometimes there are such despicable things that happen, not necessarily in any particular function, but in general these kind of things from time to time happen. And these questions come up. One person dropped his wife off at some function that was to take place, the function that took place for somebody who was due to get married soon thereafter, some one, two weeks before the wedding. So the bride-to-be had invited all her classmates and friends and whatever, all that age group. So in any case, this person, his wife was also invited. She was probably some classmate of the bride-to-be or whatever. So he dropped her off and he left for whatever work he had to do. He was supposed to come back and pick up after 2-3 hours. So he says after about 15 minutes, he got a call and his wife is like almost frantic. Come pick me up now. So he got worried that what happened? Something happened to her? What went on? 15 minutes, she, all the preparation she made and whatever else to come here. And hardly 15 minutes, she's like frantic. Something, he came rushing. And he came, she was already like almost waiting outside. Said, please move it from here. So he thought, what happened? Did somebody do something to her? Somebody said something? What happened? So first she couldn't even describe, speak anything. After a while she calmed down. And she says this whole place has been filled with all kinds of things. And then after what he described is not possible to repeat here. The worst kind of filth and immorality was all made a part of the entertainment of that function. Which is not speakable. And again the other part of it which is even more tragic that by and large the people that were invited to this function were people who are regarded as dini conscious those who would be dressing in a so-called dini conscious manner and they were all the guests and one person or two people found it in themselves to run away from there now these things are inviting the azab of Allah Ta'ala then come the wedding there are so many things that happen which are actually things that have been borrowed from the Christians for example walking the bride down the aisle now where has this come from? Open the world book encyclopedia and you'll see that this is what is part of the description of a church wedding. A church wedding, part of the description of a church wedding is walking the bride down the aisle. And so many times, now this is somebody's nikah now. They are coming into a nikah moment. And how are they coming down into the nikah moment? Number one, doing something that has been borrowed from the Christian, something that's coming from the church walking down the aisle. And number two, they are actually committing zina walking down that aisle so called. That they are walking hand in hand with some non-mahram. Some non-mahram is leading the bride to wherever and he is holding her hand which is zina and she is now on the moment of this great ibadat of nikah. And now we want barakat in that nikah then. So this again is happening now in a uh, in public, the whole ummah is, or whatever, numbers of people are there, and they are all observing this, and a public display is being made of the zina, a public display is being made of all these aspects. So these are the things that are indeed very, very worrying. These are things that really draw down the azab of Allah Ta'ala. These are things that we cannot take for granted. Allah forbid, Allah forbid, that these are things that if we don't take heed, 
It might be too late to then cry over it later. A great personality of our recent past, he passed away about 15 odd years ago, Hazrat Maulana Abul Hassan Ali Madhvi Rahmatullah A very great alim, somebody who had been recognized by all the ulama of the Indo-Pak subcontinent and even the Arab world. He was one of those rare personalities from the Indo-Pak subcontinent that when he passed away, in, now this is according to the Hanbali Mazhab, according to the Hanafi Mazhab, that's not something that he's done, but in any case according to the Hanbali Mazhab, if a person passed away far away and uh, people couldn't attend the Janaza Namaz because of the distance, they can make the Janaza Namaz in the absence of that person where they are. So when Mawlana Abu Hassan Ali Nabi Rahmatullah passed away, the Janaza Namaz of his was performed, he passed away in India, both in the Haram Sharif, in Makkah Sharif and Medina Sharif. Can we imagine, this is just to explain the caliber of the person. And for Dini service, he received the King Faisal Award, which was about a million riyals. A million riyals he received as the King Faisal Award for the service to Deen. And within a few weeks, it took him maximum a few weeks, he didn't even go personally to receive it too. He shied away from that, but out of respect for, now the, this had been given from the uh, official side of the king, whatever, so he sent somebody on his behalf to receive it. He personally didn't go. When it came to him, it barely took two or three weeks for him to distribute the entire amount to the various institutions, madaris, etc. He, perhaps he didn't keep anything for himself. All the institutions and the orphanages and whatever else. Now this is the caliber of the personality that we are talking about. In 1960s, it was 1961 or 66, I can't remember exactly, but it's all documented. He had gone to visit Burma. Now Burma, we hear about Burma in the news even now. But this is the Burma of that time. And at that time, the Muslims were in, not in the lap of luxury. They were like swimming in luxury. They were super wealthy. And now he went on a visit for delivering the Dini message to call people towards Allah Ta'ala. In any case, while he was there, he observed how things are happening. He was invited to some occasions and functions that were going on there. So he observed what's going on. And then he gave one talk, which that talk is available on record even to this day. There are links that have, this has been uploaded on the internet, etc. So this talk is up to this day. Then it was even published in booklet form. Sheikh, he had this translated and published. So it's published in, in the English language as well. So in any case, he, after visited Burma, he now, when he was giving one talk towards the tail end of his stay there, he said to them that, look, come back to Deen, come back to inviting people towards Allah Ta'ala, otherwise I'm afraid that I can foresee difficulties coming. Then the words he used, this was Allah Ta'ala made him speak it, to try to, to make it a lesson for the people. But it was for the people to take heed. He then said, mark my words. These are the words he's saying. Mark my words that you won't be able to live in this country if you don't come back to deen and to the way of deen. Now one of the things that was happening was this kind of extravagance and wastage in weddings. A lot of wastage, things would be done in a grand style. And like how we have nowadays, people, one person told me that there's a white person in one 
one place, won't take the name of the place, he's become very, very wealthy. He's a white person, he's become super wealthy. Super wealthy doing what? How does he earn his money? He does deco for the Muslim weddings. That is how it was described to me, that he does deco, maybe for everybody, but mainly he became rich doing it for the Muslim weddings. And then the person explaining said that sometimes that deco costs sometimes 300, 400,000 rands. And for how long? For that one day, two days, and then it's all torn and thrown away. And that stage set up and everything, all finished, end of story after that, all forgotten. But this is the amount of money spent in all these things. Now this was a different things may be there, but also the same extravagance and wastage. And he very openly warned them that mark my words, you won't be able to live in this country. So you better quickly take heed and come back to Deen. But like it happens, on, unfortunately, many a times, people warn us, they give us these messages, but people took it as something just, well, one fellow is coming from India and giving us some stories here. He is probably just maybe jealous of what we have. Whatever Allah Ta'ala save us, whatever kind of wasawis and whisper shaitan puts in the mind in these kind of situations, nobody really bothered. And the time came exactly almost 10 years after, and, and one of the remarkable things was, he even said in the talk of his, that if you don't take heed, then I can't see this carrying on for more than 10 years. Allah Ta'ala brought this out on his tongue. He said, you don't take heed, I can't see this continuing for more than 10 years. It was 10 years later that the revolution took place. And when the revolution took place, people came in the morning to their huge factories. When they came there, the army was posted all over the place. As they came, you are the owner, where's the keys? You are no more the owner now. Hand over the keys, you can carry on. And either you want to work for us, or you go do what you want to do. So either now the boss became a, just a normal employee, earning exactly like any other employee, or you can go and just starve if he wants to starve. The currency was changed overnight. And now people had stacks of currency in their homes, which was undeclared. Now that became a problem. Because if they were ever found with it, that was illegal. So people started burning up stacks of notes with their own hands. Just to uh, make the evidence go away. Now this became the end result. But where this, this started off from, that was the point to take note of and the lesson for us. It's not, these are not just be mentioned for us to hear something that happened somewhere. The issue is the lesson. That we have to take heed from these situations. We have to come back to Allah wa ta'ala. We have to forsake this way of life that is taking us towards this ex extravagance, this wastage, especially this open sinning. By all means, gather the families, have some good occasions with the families, etc. But it doesn't have to be on a wedding. We can, person has the means, he can afford it. Invite the whole family sometime. Make sure everything is done in a correct way. Have some deen in the sihat sometimes. It's not necessary that that has to happen also. But purely on the basis of sila rahmi of maintaining family ties, invite your friends, invite your family, nobody has forbidden that. But when it comes to weddings and so on, Nabi Sallallahu that nikah has the greatest barakat wherein the least expenditure was incurred. And where all these other issues, and now we keep hearing of new new things, then there must be a theme in the wedding. So now the theme, now the special costumes sold out for that. And how much those costumes are, or that outfits or whatever, so you know that cost like maybe about 
each one maybe several hundred rands each. And now, how many whole ummah, whatever they had to foot out with that? See, just the theme costs sometimes 300, 400,000 rands. One person says that he had to make it clear to the other party. Now he was, his, I think it was his son getting married. His son was getting married, so the girls party now, they're discussing the joint venture. Because now all this becomes a joint, because everybody will put money in here. There's no more now, I'm going to pay it myself. So in any case, now he told him, look, I can't do more than this. More than what? So the whole thing was costing, whatever it was costing. He said, look, I told him, my maximum budget is 400,000 rand. So 400,000 rand was his budget. So what was the other party's budget? This is about three times the amount. So between the two parties, it was more than one and a half million rands. And then people say, but that's child's play. You see, that's child's play. In one one wedding, maybe three, four times that amount is being spent. Now, can we imagine if just this wastage was saved, how many people's lives would have been made? There are people trying to get their daughters married, poor people get their sons married. They don't have the means to even buy one simple bed for their child. They don't have the means to buy even the basic utensils for their child. It's beyond them because they're so poor. And here we have the money to spend on these kind of things in this manner. Will we not be questioned by Allah wa ta'ala? This is the lesson that we have to take to heed. Allah Ta'ala forgive me if I've said something that has been harsh or something hurtful. That's not the intention. The intention is that we all have to take a lesson. We all have to pass this message on. We all have to encourage one another. And as we mentioned, the one very important point, one is to engage in this. That is wrong. To be attending a function that where all these kind of sins are taking place, that is also wrong. That is also wrong because that makes us part of that. We will not fight with anybody. We will respectfully just excuse ourselves and we'll maintain the ties. Somebody gets displeased, we make sure Allah Ta'ala is not displeased with us. That is somebody is displeased with us because we were pleasing Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala will change their hearts also. But let us not displease Allah Ta'ala to earn the pleasure of people because we'll lose out both sides also. Allah Ta'ala give me also the tawfiq and all of us the tawfiq that we come completely onto deen bring into our lives the entire way of Rasulullah in every aspect of life, whether it be our dressing, whether our weddings, and also the important lesson we spoke about, the social media and so on, let us take that to heart as well. Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma laka alhamdu kulluhu wa laka shukru kulluhu. Allahumma la nuhsi sana'an alayk, anta kama asnayta ala nafsik. جزا الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين رب اغفر وارحم واعفو وتكرم وتجاوز عما تعلم إنك أنت العز الأكرم اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه معين والحمد لله